It is the 200 level episode 360, Mike Carpenter in the basement back from beautiful Las Vegas. What a trip. And coming back to a Champaign-Urbana where you have a three and four football team that by no means is great, we know that, but won a game that actually prolongs relevance, something that we said so often back in 93.5, Operation Prolong Relevance for football into basketball season. Didn't look like they had done that. And then they get a surprising win despite being 13 and a half point dogs at Maryland and a win in which they looked like a halfway decent football team, still with flaws, and we know that. But there's not a team left on the schedule that doesn't have flaws as well. So where where does this leave Brett Bielma and the Illini going forward? I think Saturday coming up is going to answer a lot of those questions. Now, before I go any further, got to remind you that we are going to be live at Poor Brothers on Friday from 6 to 7. Myself and Isaac Ambrose getting ready for a now huge Illinois-Wisconsin homecoming game. And also, there is an Illinois basketball exhibition game on Friday, so we'll talk a little bit of both sports. So join us, Poor Brothers Downtown Champaign. That's from 6 to 7 on Friday evening. It's a good way to get your homecoming weekend started and a lot of fun. We had so much fun back in August. I think it was August 30th or September 1st, the day before the Toledo game, thinking that this is going to be a great football season. While that is not the case, at the very least, we have a lot of interesting things to talk about. And as I mentioned before, relevancy. We're just kind of asking for that before we get back into talking about a potentially good Illini football team. Now, last Saturday was not at all what I expected, or for that matter, many of us that are Illini fans. I know that Joey Wagner had said last week on his podcast with Jeremy that there was something akin to the 2021 Penn State game, where you would have a team that got away when they needed to the most, not feeling good about themselves, like that 2021 team, which at that point going into Penn State, I think was 2-5. and five. Brett Bielema called out the lack of depth on the offensive line, and he attributed that to the previous coaching staff. It caused a big kerfluffle, not just locally, but national outlets picked it up as that was a coach calling out his players, which that wasn't really the case. And then you go in and you beat Penn State out of nowhere, a top 10 win. I'm going to start with the good news first here. The good news is that I think that you are ahead of schedule in terms of getting the big win to potentially turn around the season. Whereas in 2021, you were a little too late for that win to ultimately propel you to a bowl game. Now, that win at Penn State in 2021 helped the fan base feel like you were heading in the right direction. It probably helped you with recruiting. There was a sense by the end of 2021 that even though you didn't make a bowl game, things were headed in a positive direction. But you were still two and five going into that. In this game, you were two and four. And a win gets you one step away from being 500 going into the bye week. I think that by being ahead of schedule, you might put yourself in a better position to potentially make a bowl game, something that I completely discounted last week, as did many of us. Because again, we assumed that Maryland was a terrible matchup for this team and that this team was so broken beyond repair that they couldn't fix it within the next six, seven days. And while they didn't fix everything, they fixed enough. In Maryland, did the Mike Loxley thing, which happens every so often, where they were kind of silly. They weren't great. They made mistakes. They shot themselves in the foot. And really, in that second half, the lack of urgency that we saw from Maryland, especially in that last drive, I don't know if they just thought that they were going to 
kind of waltz down and win the game. And frankly, I kind of did. It felt like more Maryland 2021 or Indiana last year that your defense was eventually just going to kind of let up when it mattered the most. But they were very laissez-faire, kind of working their way in the fourth quarter to get either a game-tying or a game-winning score, as if they just assumed it was predestined or something. And meanwhile, Illinois, for the most part, kept their foot on the gas, especially defensively, a lot of pressure and a lot of hits on uh, Tualia, and offensively did just enough. So we're going to get into this uh, and why it matters, but let's start with the macro and the good news is that it does put bowl game consideration back on the table when you consider the opponents that you have left in the schedule and the fact that maybe, just maybe all you needed was a win to feel good again. Now we caution ourselves, as we should, that after the Penn State game in 2021, you came home and lost to Rutgers and you got... Still a tough Wisconsin team. Yeah, they don't have Mordecai starting for them, but Wisconsin is a tough team. Now, I don't know if they're as good as Maryland, and maybe, just maybe, the mental component of this is going to be enough to propel Illinois to another win, and I actually feel pretty good about the game Saturday for a myriad of reasons. But notice I'm comparing this team to 2021. A 2021 team that was a few plays away from going 7-5. and and not really a few plays away from going three and nine. This team was pretty damn close <laughs> to slipping into three and nine and four and eight uh, doldrums. And I suppose it could still happen because it wasn't a resounding enough performance at Maryland to suggest that everything's fixed, all is well. But again, when you consider what's left on the schedule, if you do that against Wisconsin or Minnesota, Indiana, Northwestern, Iowa, if you play like you did against Maryland, I think you're definitely getting three more wins. And I don't know, depending on the opponents, maybe more. The fact that that's even on the table is only on the table because you got a monster upset. And I do call it a monster upset because I do think its ramifications go beyond just, well, this team can make a bowl game now. What I think it does if you follow this up, is it can reverse the narrative that we all feared. The narrative being after Purdue and Nebraska, we blew it. We blew a golden opportunity. Well, I don't know if that's necessarily the case anymore. If they can follow it up. And in that way, just as I compared this to 2021 a minute ago, we can make a comparison to after you beat Wisconsin in 2019, I was looking to the next game. Can you win at Purdue in 2019? Follow it up and show that that upset win was not a fluke. Well, a similar situation is presenting itself here. Can you prove with a bye week awaiting that you have in fact turned somewhat of a corner and that you can be a solid team? Because that's all we're asking for is solid. And that would be enough with the schedule that you have remaining to make a bowl game hopefully parlay that into some recruiting success and not feel going to the 18-team Big Ten as if you are at the very, very bottom. Because I don't know about you, but if you'd listen to this podcast, I was certainly concerned that we had blown such a massive opportunity. And not only that, but we had found ourselves right back where we started, at the very bottom. And I'm sick of that. And I don't want that. And that's why the win on Saturday was particularly refreshing. It was a 
weight off that, well, wait, wait, wait a second, maybe not all is lost. Because all the evidence before that suggested that, yeah, a lot of it was, in fact, lost. And it didn't seem at that moment like the coaching staff had any answers. And that maybe personnel-wise, you didn't have the answers either. But then throughout the game on Saturday against Maryland, you started to see little bits and pieces kind of coalesce. You started to see an offensive line that could run block a little bit. Not great by any means, but by far the best performance of that offensive line this year. And they can do it again against Wisconsin that does not have a dominant defensive line. You saw a quarterback that, listen, I like Luke. I, I just do. And I I think it's because there is the home run potential. I like his moxie or whatever you want to call it. There were some missed throws, but the interception, for example, wasn't really on him. And overall, that was a pretty good game from Luke Altmeyer. Overall. And then you look at the defense, and perhaps this is where you can get a little bit excited. Because they have started to come together in the secondary, it feels like. Tyler Strain making monster plays against Prather, the 6'3 or 6'4 wide receiver. He was giving up five or six inches to him. Made two monster plays back in that secondary. So him coming back was big. Kind of reclaiming maybe that starting role. Now you feel like you have a little bit of depth back there. A Dylan Rosiak at linebacker really starting to emerge as a playmaker. And a defensive line that even without Keith Randolph was disruptive. Outside linebackers, specifically Seth Coleman getting to the quarterback. Are we starting to see a defense and a a play caller in Aaron Henry figure out who they are at the right time, perhaps? But again, you're only as good as your next game as far as I'm concerned. And that's why this is such a massive opportunity coming up on Saturday. So before I spill all the beans and tell you everything I think about what happened and what's to come, let's hit the sponsors real quick. DPDO online at dpdo.com for all the best deals and prices. dpdo.com. You can order online and get any toppings that you want, a custom zone, or get one of their favorites like the Maui Wowie or the Buffer Zone. Get their signature dipping sauce, marinara sauce, along with a few other options. And they can deliver anywhere in Champaign-Urbana. Maybe, just maybe, everybody, you can finally have a celebratory calzone. If you didn't already after the Maryland game, hopefully after a big homecoming win, you can start your long night out on campus with a celebratory calzone from dpdo.com. Also, got to thank State Farm agent Brian Hansen online at brianismyguy.com. For life, auto, home, business renters, you name it, Brian is my guy and he can be your guy as well. Uh, Brian and his staff so nicely, they sent out a birthday card. I got my birthday coming up uh, this weekend. And that's just one anecdotal example of the kind of service that you get. Uh, We've known Brian for a few years now. Great guy, but also his staff that works with him. The communication is just top notch. So you want to trust your insurance agent. I can vouch personally for Brian and his staff. That's online at brianismyguy.com. Also, Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing, your home's best friend. Give them a call at 217-841-4728. Now, this week is a picturesque fall week, including this weekend. But we know that the colder temperatures await. We've even noticed at night that slight chill. You know, it's not quite cold enough to really kick the furnace up, but you know it's coming. Now, we feel comfortable going into the winter months, or the colder weather at least, because our furnace gets checked from Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing, and you can call them today and get yours scheduled at 217-841-4728. All right, also, got to thank Owen Builders, LLC, 
online at Owen Builders LLC. That is Luke Owen and his staff of great craftsmen that can work on anything from a kitchen and bathroom to a home addition to patios and decks inside, outside. They are very versatile in what they can do. So go online to owenbuildersllc.com and check out a gallery of their excellent work. Again, that's owenbuildersllc.com. Got to thank Champagne Showers Podcast Network and thank you, the listeners, for tuning in and watching us on YouTube. We're back on YouTube today. It's my fall break, so enjoying a little bit of an earlier podcast than usual. We were going to do a Hang In With Harry segment, and I just texted Harry, and I feel terrible about this. I'm trying to log on to Zoom on my computer, and it's just not working. Every request is timing out. I'm trying different usernames. I'm trying to set up different rooms. So I'm going to troubleshoot that in time for next week so we can get Harry back on, and I feel terrible about it because I really wanted to talk with Harry about what we saw and what it means and should we be optimistic going forward so harry personally i apologize to you my friend but i can't wait to get him on the podcast next week after i figure out that stupid technology stuff which usually i feel pretty good about but uh, i don't know I, I had everything set up all the wires were connected and it just would not start the zoom room so we'll get back to that. Quick reminder again, we're Poor Brothers on Friday from 6 to 7 in downtown Champaign. Hope you can make it out and join us. And uh, the tailgate, of course, will be going on Saturday if you see us on Lot 31. Big 200-level flag going up top, so we'll be easy to spot. About 50-yard line by Oak Street. So real quick, to kind of set the scene here for Saturday, Karen and I went to Vegas. We flew out on Friday and got into Vegas about 7 o'clock, 6.30, 7 o'clock Friday evening. Great dinner at Bavette's Steakhouse, which was in the Park MGM. And Friday night was basically walking around the Strip and just soaking in all the sensory overload. It was a lot, no doubt. So we go to sleep on Friday night in a good way. Don't, don't mistake me. I absolutely loved every bit of Las Vegas. So we get back on late Friday evening, go to sleep at what would be... 12.30 Vegas time, so 2.30 Central. We try to stay up as late as our mid-30s selves could do. And then we wake up Saturday, and this is a big day for me because it's U2 at the Sphere. And for anyone that knows me, U2 is a, a very formative band for me as a fan and a songwriter, and they are just top three for me without a doubt. They are so important to me musically, personally, and all that. So this was a big show. They're playing all of Octung Baby, which is my favorite U2 album. Joshua Tree comes after. And as far as my personal preference, and we had tickets in the 300 level at the Sphere. Now, if you haven't seen the Sphere, this is a pretty large venue. It's like 18,000 people, but it's built more like the Hollywood Bowl or a theater. So there's no room for a basketball court. No, the stage is on one end and all the seats surround it. So 300 level would have been great because the screen is this massive LED screen. We would have got the whole scope of it. And that's, that's all fine and good. But as we were getting closer to the show, I read that the further up you were, more people were sitting, partially because it's an older crowd, but also because the upper seats are very steep and it's kind of a comfort thing and people were getting dizzy, vertigo with all the visuals. And I get that. I understand it. So I'm keeping my eye on Ticketmaster for a ticket drop. Last minute general admission floor tickets. And about 9.30 on Saturday, I just randomly click on it and whoa, it, what usually says tickets are sold out now gives me the option to buy two floor tickets. So I'm punching buttons on my phone. I get, I get it locked in, get my two floor tickets. And at this point, I am jazzed. I am ready to go. This is only 9.30 in the morning. We got like 12 hours before the show. 
but I had done it. I'd gotten four tickets. So Karen and I, we decide, we let's go to the liquor store. Let's get stuff for the day so we can walk around, mix our own drinks. Tip for Vegas travelers, if you can be resourceful with your own beverages, you're going to save a lot of money. So that's that's one, okay? The, the first big thing on Saturday, I get the four tickets ready to go. We enjoy a day on the Strip. We ended up walking 11 miles up and down the Strip, checking places out left and right, soaking it in. And then the Illinois game starts. And we are in the Venetian at this point, just kind of walking through the casino, checking things out. And I see that Illinois scores 7-0. And I'm having Isaac and Trevor kind of keep tabs on the game. They're updating the chat thread like, whoa, the offense looked pretty good. Now, to me, I'm not really thinking too much about it yet because Barry Lunny's offense tends to look good on the first drive. But I couldn't help but have this thing cross in my mind even early in that game that if good things come in threes, one, I got four tickets, and I know that the third one is I'm seeing you two tonight at the Sphere. So what's number two? What's the second of the three things that will happen? Could it be Illinois beating Maryland? Well, Maryland ties it up 7-7. Okay, so Kara and I are just walking through casinos, checking things out. I kind of put it in the back of my mind. And then it is 14-7 Maryland, and then they're driving again. And I'm kind of ready to tune out and just go full U2 concert mode. But then a, a turnover. And at this point, I think we're in the casino of the horseshoe, and we're about to start moseying back to the hotel because we're kind of tired anyways. we had gotten a lack of sleep the night before. We've already walked six or seven miles, and we know that if we're going to be up and ready for this concert, we got to spend a couple hours back at the hotel just chilling out. So we start moseying back and take the mile and a half walk back to the hotel as it's halftime. And Illinois gets a turnover and go down, and they score. And I didn't realize at the time that it required a fourth down conversion by the goal line. So we get back to the hotel, and before we even get to our room, because this is a pretty long walk, Illinois scores again. They double dip. It's 21 to 14. And I look to Kara as we're crossing this pedestrian bridge back to our hotel, which is just off the strip, and saying, yeah, what the hell? Maybe good things happen in threes, and this is one of the three today. Floor tickets, you two, and this could be it. Get back to the hotel room. Illinois gets a stop. They get a field goal. They're up two scores. We go into the fourth quarter with Illinois leading 24 to 14. And then the fourth quarter felt all too familiar. This was where the shades of Maryland 2021 and Purdue 2022, they start kind of popping up again. And I'm getting a little bit worried that, ah, darn it, you know, just when there could be a potential season changing when this happens. But that said, as I've talked about on this podcast before, my move when Illinois football gets bad is emotionally divest. Don't allow yourself to go down that rabbit hole and get suckered into it. And for the most part, I wasn't. I'm laying on the bed in the hotel room, having a coffee to just kind of equalize, you know, and watching Maryland drive and get a touchdown. Oh, boy. So now it's a three-point game, 24 to 21. Illinois gets a good kickoff return and three and out. They get a stop, get a good punt return, and then a three and out. My frustration with Barry Lunny is starting to boil over at this point because even though he had 21 points, you still have less than 300 yards in a game that just felt like, guys, the defense has done what they had to do. Offense, you got to get one more score here. And they weren't. They just weren't. So I'm getting frustrated. But again, mild compared to how it had been. Now then Maryland gets the ball, and this is where I think they're going to go down, they're going to score. There's, I think, six minutes left in the game. Seven, six minutes left. 
and they're taking their sweet time, which is at the moment very painful because you're thinking, I'm watching the loss unfold right in front of me. It had been going so well for this team. They put themselves in position to win, but it's just not going to be enough. And then on a third and eight from about their what? 30-yard line, 32-yard line, they run it. Much to my relief, they just run it for two yards, and then they set up a long field goal. Now, of course, part of me is thinking, oh, man, what if they miss this? How sweet would that be? Of course, they don't. And this is the wave that we ride as Illini fans is this sort of, you know, things are going well, and then the other team does something where you say, yep, of course, of course they would do that. And what happened when the kicker made that for Maryland was a, of course their scrub kicker made a 45-yarder in pretty crappy conditions. Of course he did after missing a chip shot earlier. Illinois gets the ball back with two minutes to go and sort of like the uh, the metaphorical putting on the cup so you don't get nut punched. I'm thinking to myself, oh great, well let's see what you got Barry Lunny, which I know this is me slipping into cynicism which is not a healthy thing to do for any fan, for any person. But that's where I'm at because of a couple three and outs in a row where the offense could have bled the clock or got a game-winning, game-sealing score, and they did nothing. Well, tie game. Here's your moment to shine, Barry. Here's your moment to shine offense in general, not just to put on the play caller. And what was it, the second play in? They find Casey Washington down the sideline, which is now Casey Washington's signature play pretty much. Big catch Casey. Gets you across the 50-yard line, about the 40. That's massive play number one on that drive. Massive play number two. Nine-yard scramble from Luke Altmaier. Heads-up play. Great play from your young quarterback. Young-ish, if we should say. And then you set up a potential game-winning kick. Now, at this point, knowing that Caleb had missed the first and made the second, I'm pretty relaxed at this moment. Now, I don't know what Caleb was feeling like, but you got to have ice through your veins if you're the kicker. And essentially, the season is on the line here. If Illinois goes to overtime against Maryland, how good do you feel about it? I don't feel good. They got Tualia. It might have been just enough to wake them up and say, wait, why are we messing around with Illinois? Let's win this thing. And our offense, I I can't trust them. I I still can't trust them even going into Wisconsin. But anywho... Caleb Griffin comes out, and I think it was because he missed the first and made the second that I felt better about his chances. You flip those rolls, and let's say he makes his first 45-yarder and he misses the 43-yarder. Well, that's the thing that's fresh in his mind. But no, he had already had the failure. Then he succeeded his second attempt. He's got this third one. It's what I have in my mind. So I'm laying down in this hotel bed. Again, I'm still relaxing, trying to get my energy back. And sure enough, as I see this thing go through and I see the Illinois guys, I love that camera shot you get with game-winning kicks behind the goalpost. And when you notice the kicking team begin to celebrate before it's even through the uprights, and that's what they did. And I jump up and I do a woo, you know, fist pump and all that. And even Kara was like, wow, that's that's a big win. And, And I thought, yeah, it is a big win. And then I realized, yeah, good things do happen in threes. This is literally the perfect day, as, as I joked about with my friends. I mean, the only thing that could have made it better is if I'm walking into the sphere and Robert Plant happens to be there and I fist bump him. Hey, Robert, nice to meet you. Know, I mean, that, that would essentially be the only thing that could have made that particular day any better. So Illinois gets a win to salvage their season. I go to U2 at the sphere. It's every bit the hype that it's 
been made out to be. It is that good and more. It is really one of the best concert experiences I've ever seen. And it's kind of its own thing. I can't really compare it to others because there's no venue like the Sphere. And to me, there's no album like Octung Baby. And I saw all of it. Go to the Grand Canyon on Sunday. What can you say? It's just overwhelming. The most beautiful thing I've ever seen. The trip was incredible, but I'd be lying if I didn't say that this Illinois win, while it was lower on the list of my highlights of that weekend, it only sweetened the pot and made me think, why am I so lucky to be able to experience all this stuff in Vegas over the course of a weekend and my football team gets a win that at least extends their potential relevancy, at least gives us some juice going into the homecoming game against Wisconsin because I didn't have any juice or excitement for the homecoming game, apart from we got a bunch of friends coming in. We'll have fun at Poor Brothers the night before, even though Isaac and I were probably wondering, how can we do an hour-long show and not turn it into a bitch fest about Illinois football? Because we don't want to, we don't have to. Well, now we don't necessarily have to do that. Instead, we can actually look forward to a game that could get you one step closer to a bowl game. Four and four is not ideal. But even before the start of the season, if you would have said four and four going into the bye week, I would have said, well, that's not best case scenario. You could do worse. But what I would not have counted on if you said four and four would that would be that Maryland and Wisconsin would be two of those wins. And you are staring down the barrel of that possibility. So now we set up a game that if you beat Wisconsin, whatever momentum you want to speak about is real. Again, going into a bye week that is sorely needed. Brett Bielema, great after bye weeks. And I I think I'll ask, Trevor has a stat somewhere, so we'll try to get it. But take last year, for example, at Nebraska, after the bye week, there was no letdown. Illinois went in there and they basically controlled that game after the first quarter. If you go back to, I think the Wisconsin game was kind of like an extended bye week. In other words, if you give Brett Bielema time, for the most part, his teams perform well. And that is a game against Minnesota that I think will be a toss-up at worst anyways because they look really bad. And then Indiana and Northwestern await as well. Home games that if you are a bowl team, you win those games. So if we were to really simplify the math here, and I can't believe we're doing this exercise, and this is the importance of one win, one stinking win, if we're to do the math to a bowl game, which at this point is all I really give a crap about. Let's count Northwestern and Indiana as wins. If we're even having this conversation, we might as well. And that means that you got to win one of the three against Wisconsin, Minnesota, Iowa. What's the toughest? Well, I can tell you the easiest of those three is at Minnesota. But if you can help it, you don't want to have to go into your last four needing to win three. Iowa... Their offense stinks. We know that. They just lost another tight end, I think. They have three season-ending injuries in their offense that renders them very, very anemic offensively. But as we saw Saturday in Wisconsin, that didn't really matter. And then you have Wisconsin without their starting quarterback. Now, we'll get to this in a little bit because, of course, Illini fans and really football fans in general have seen this story before where, oh, the starter goes down. We're good. And I understand the inclination towards that. And even I am leaning that direction with the game coming up on Saturday. Because Mordecai was solid. He was a pretty good quarterback for that system. An air raid system that 
that can actually run the ball pretty effectively. They're pretty split on run and pass yards, but Mordecai was a really good facilitator for that offense, and then he goes down with a throwing hand injury done for the year, or at least it's indetermined how long he will be out. So this leaves the backup. And the name, I just had it in front of me, but I don't know where that window went on my computer. You'll, you'll know the name and you'll hear it plenty before. I can't pretend to know much about him. Now, this is from Jason, who says, I have concerns of overconfidence this week. Rutgers post-Penn State, underestimating a freshman QB, like the Mertz's five-touchdown performance during the Levy era. This new QB is a cannon and look better than Mordecai in the spring game. Jason, having not watched the Wisconsin spring game, I, I, I'm not sure about that, but I know it was, was it kind of a quarterback competition? I mean, Mordecai was the odds-on favorite to win it, but I'm sure that Luke Fickle's not going to bring in a scrub. And I think this is one of the other guys that he brought in from the transfer portal, but I can't be sure about that. However, I do think game experience matters, and what we're going to do is save a lot of the Wisconsin talk for Friday when we're poor brothers, but... I do think there are a few things that are going in Illinois' favor heading into this weekend. Now, Jason correctly mentions the overconfidence factor. And we have seen that play out with Brett Bielema. Last year, I'm going to throw the Michigan State game into the overconfidence barrel because that is one way to explain why you just weren't quite where you needed to be against the Michigan State team that was reeling. And what I said last year going into the Michigan State game, and it seemed obvious at the time and seemed like the safe call to make, was that you had a reeling team coming in and you were the team that just was doing all the right things. Just take care of business. You're fine. And I actually thought a blowout was possible. I thought a blowout against Michigan State and Purdue was possible. Both of them. Obviously, neither happened. So the overconfidence thing can spill down to me as a fan, too, and how I prognosticate. And I, I do want to be careful about that. Um for this team setting at three and four, Jason, I would hope that overconfidence is not a thing because bad football is very fresh on their minds. It really is. I do think where the other team is coming from matters. Now, Michigan State somehow, they had two ways they could have gone last year. They could have completely folded after the Michigan game and all the fights in the tunnels. They could have done that or they could have rallied around each other and said, we got eight guys out. Let's just, what the hell, let's go out there. And I think that was ultimately what they ended up doing. They played looser because of it. I'm interested to see how Wisconsin responds after losing a game at home and losing their starting quarterback and not just losing a game to a rival in Iowa, but probably losing the Big Ten West in one fell swoop because that's where they were headed. They were the favorite to win the Big Ten West. And all they had to do was beat a bad Iowa offense at home and they couldn't do it so what does that tell you now I'm thinking that this is a situation where Wisconsin might be licking their wounds a little bit and I am less inclined to say that they're going to have some sort of rallying around point like a Michigan State did last year and that it is possible that having lost not just a game, but their starting quarterback and the Big Ten essentially in one week, that's a tough thing to t come back from. It really is. Factor in also that if we're looking for mental edge as far as, you know, the teams that are playing and who wants to win it more. Well, we know that Brett Bielema is going to want to beat Wisconsin. And I think that will be a common refrain for Brett Bielema as long as he's the coach here. Didn't work out so well first year when they came in on homecoming when we actually thought we might compete. And then you lost 28 to 7. But it certainly worked out well last year. 
And for as solid as Wisconsin's looked this year, I think the reason why so many picked them to win the Big Ten West after Cade McNamara went down especially was because they just didn't stink. But has there been anything from Wisconsin this year to suggest that they are in fact really good? I don't know if that's the case. If I were to compare this Wisconsin team to a team from last year, I might compare them to Minnesota, a team that was just good at about everything, and they had a stud running back, Braylon Allen, um, Ibrahim from Minnesota, right? That Those are the cornerstones of their offense. But that the quarterback play kind of left you wanting a little bit, and everything else was just fine. And I think that's what Wisconsin is. They don't really have any huge weaknesses. So how can I sit here and look at a Wisconsin team that the biggest question is a quarterback making their first start, but everything else is pretty fine. And they do have, by all accounts, a good coach in Luke Fickle. How can I look at that and actually feel confident? Well, I already mentioned the fact that you got Brett Bielema going against his former team. And the mental edge and the want to that you might get with something like that. But I got to think that overall, this comes down to not so much overconfidence, Jason, as you would mention in your comment, as it does desperation. And at least I hope that's the case. You have now opened up a window of opportunity to go into a bye game, a bye week, excuse me, in pretty good position to make a bowl game. I would be quite alarmed, Jason, if I didn't see a team playing with their proverbial pants on fire a little bit. That, whoa, we've actually given ourselves an opportunity. Let's go out and claim this. Let alone the fact that with a bye week ahead, leave it all out there. Leave everything out there. Because you're going to get 14 days before you got to go to Minnesota, a place where you have fared pretty well. Not just recently, but historically at that stadium up there. So that leads me all to think that mentally things are kind of sliding in your favor for this game. Now, there are the on-field concerns, which remain, and we would be foolish to say that we beat Maryland, we, we're good. Well, here's why the Maryland game was exciting. You saw basically the template of what this team should have been from the start. You did. And we can attribute the awful start, and I'm not going to say slow start. <laughs> like, even if this team rattles off some wins here late. I'm not going to say, yeah, it was just a slow start in those first six. It was a little bit more than that. It was terrible. Objectively. But what if there's a proverbial light bulb or light switch that happened to flick just by getting the first Big Ten win? You know, there's this old adage that winning is contagious and maybe there are just enough new pieces on this team that by tasting it for the first time and in such an emphatic way by winning on the road against a team that you were two score underdogs, that now they kind of get it. And maybe what separates this from 2021 and Rutgers at home is that this team still has quite a few veteran pieces that remember what it was like to win consistently last year, in the month of October specifically, against Big Ten West competition. So to me, the mental component should favor Illinois. It should. Of course, there'll be a little rallying around going with Wisconsin, but I do think that they're also going to be coming in a little bit unsure. What do we really have here? Uh, an offense, especially, that's going to feel themselves out a little bit, I think, early. But for Illinois, what I'm most interested in, because this game, we can talk about Wisconsin and their backup quarterback, but just like Maryland, this week is much more about what I see from Illinois, not from Wisconsin. 
Wisconsin's not going to probably beat themselves. Wisconsin's not going to be bad. They won't. But can you, at home, on homecoming, with an opportunity to position yourselves well to make a bowl game, can you answer the bell? Can you follow up what you did at Maryland? Because I do think I can confidently say, if you play like you did at Maryland, you'll win this game at home. I can say that with some confidence. And what also breeds a little bit of confidence in me is that the Maryland game, I don't think, was an A-plus from Illinois or an A game. I think it was a solid B game. From as Jay Wayman had said on his podcast with Jeremy Monday, a team that we thought would be a solid B team which made the beginning of the season all the more frustrating. We weren't asking for greatness. We don't need greatness. We just need a solid B team that plays complementary football. Now, if we're talking about individuals that do change the formula for Illinois, let's talk about Caden Fagan. I was worried, as we all were, I think, when he was favoring his arm, walking off the field against Maryland, thinking, oh, no, like just when we get this guy rolling, now he's hurt, and we're going to be down to our fourth and fifth running backs, and maybe Reggie Love if he comes back. Well, now, I think, with the news that he's a full go and he's fine, Caden Fagan should get the bulk of the carries. Your offensive identity, your running identity, should be off of him. Him and Reggie Love as your running backs that's all right. Reggie Love being one of two running backs with Caden Fagan doing what you hoped Josh McCray would have done. That'll work. Now, can the offensive line build off what they did against Maryland? Maybe. I, I kind of hope so because according to Jay Lehman, they weren't doing anything that crazy. They were doing less zone blocking and more gap blocking, like man blocking. And they simplified it and they just... They had a couple plays that I know they posted on the Twitter account, at least Jeremy did, or the Alana Inquirer Twitter account, of Jay Lehman looking specifically at a few of these run plays and how impressively blocked they were. And how Caden Fagan, once you give him a little bit of forward momentum, he's good to go. So that right there gives me some excitement heading into this game and really heading into the end of the season that if Caden Fagan can stay healthy and you can have an offensive identity running him, and letting Luke make the occasional throw that he needs to. That can be enough, given the opponents that you have coming up. Caden Fagan changes things. Luke Altmeyer, I still like. I really do. And I thought that, again, in the second half, there were some throws we thought, Luke, come on, or a sack that he took because he just held it too damn long. And that can get frustrating. And, and maybe Luke's not the guy in terms of being a program-changing, all-star kind of guy. But I really do still like his overall skill set, and what he brings. When he's under center, or I shouldn't say under center, but when he's just quarterback, usually in shotgun, I, I still feel like things can happen. I feel like if you get 80 yards from Caden Fagan and a clean game from Luke Altmaier, you win. I think, I think that's that right there. Because I haven't even talked about the defense yet, and I think the defense will probably give up 17 to 20 points against a backup quarterback from Wisconsin. And then it comes down, can the offense score 23 or 24? I think it's that kind of game, right? Can you win 24 to 20 against Wisconsin at home on homecoming? I would hope you could. Because if not, if not now, when? You know, and I said that before the Nebraska game, but after you finally get your first taste of success and somewhat look the part of the team that you would hope to be, if there's going to be a follow-up or if there's going to be momentum at all this season, if not now, when? 
And that leads to momentum. The final thing I want to talk about today, because we want to save some of this for Friday. And again, we'll get Harry on the podcast next week. And I apologize for freaking technical difficulties. But momentum was such a key piece of why last year's team was so successful. And you saw it build as early as the Virginia game. And then the Chattanooga game, which while Chattanooga was not a good team, there was just such a a competent a competency that Illinois had in that game that led you to think, oh, well, maybe they figured something out. Sure enough, nine days later, they go into Wisconsin and get an emphatic road victory. And then they parlay that into a month that was one to remember. Now, I don't think that this team is good enough to rattle off the last six wins of the season. But the funny thing is there is a non-zero chance of that, given the fact that Wisconsin is now without their starting quarterback and you get them, I think, at a good time. And that I was without Cade McNamara and that Minnesota's Minnesota and then Indiana Northwestern at home. I'm just saying there is a non-zero chance this team wins out. Wouldn't that be something? I mean, that would completely change the trajectory, not just of how Illini fans feel about this team, but how they feel about the program and its overall health and also recruiting and all that. But you don't need to do that, right? In a weird way, the terrible start affords you an opportunity to go six and six and still feel as if, hey, that was that was an okay season. That was fine. We'll take it. And momentum, if you beat Wisconsin, is a real thing that I think could help you go into Minnesota and win. I'll put it this way. If you beat Wisconsin, I think you're winning seven games. I think you're going seven and five if you beat Wisconsin. If you don't beat Wisconsin then I'm angling more towards five because I don't know if I can count on this team to go into Minnesota after a bye week if they backslide a little bit against Wisconsin and get that win. And even if they did, who's to say that after a Minnesota win, they don't come home and lay a Rutgers-like egg against an Indiana or something? In other words, the trust wouldn't be there. The momentum wouldn't be there. So a win against Wisconsin to me feels like a seven-win team, which that would that be something? And then a loss against Wisconsin feels more like a 5-1 team. And that wouldn't feel very good. But the fact that we're having these conversations, this is a podcast that I did not anticipate being able to do because I thought you would lose to Maryland and I'd have to come back and just sort of fake my way through a 40-minute podcast and feign interest in it. But no, there is legit interest on a day that's going to be great anyways because it's going to be a beautiful fall day and it's the homecoming crowd. Now you have the possible trifecta of those two things you already knew, and a big Illini win. Because any win against Wisconsin on homecoming, to get back to 500, going into the bye week, set yourself up for a bowl, that's not just a big win. That's a huge win for a program that needs to build some semblance of sustained success. So don't view Saturday as anything more than, yeah, it's a monster opportunity. Does it feel quite as exciting as it was last year when you were 5-1, and one? A ranked Minnesota team was coming to town. I remember very well that day, top to bottom, getting the news at like 9 o'clock that Tommy DeVito was, in fact, going to play. And just the blissful feeling within that stadium as you controlled most of that game. Now, I don't know if it's going to be that easy on Saturday. But I would love to see an inspired Illini team come out and kick some ass. Because you know what? Despite how bad they looked in the first six games, I think that if all things were put together... They do have a couple of, whoa, games in them. I really do feel that way. Get a couple takeaways on defense, a couple big throws from Luke. 
some consistency in the run game with Caden Fagan, yeah, that, that, that's something. And a week and a half ago, I felt like we had nothing. Hell, five days ago, six days ago, I felt like we really had nothing to speak of. And now we kind of do. So thank goodness for that. Can I thank the team for beating Maryland and just keeping our interest at least? I mean, that the importance of the Maryland win or how big of an upset that was, that is going to be dictated by what comes next. I said the same thing after the Toledo game that the importance of that fourth and fourth throw is going to be dictated by the rest of the season. Now, if you finish six and six, boy, is that an important throw against Toledo. Boy, is that an important kick that Caleb Griffin had, I guess, both in the Toledo games, but especially the Maryland kick, which was by no means a gimme. So that starts on Saturday. Can you follow up a big win with another big win? Can you get this group of guys starting to feel like, wait, we're pretty good. And if so, all of a sudden our fall has completely flipped. And we're actually looking forward to football Saturdays as we head into November with what would be four consequential games. That, for an Illini football fan, I'll take it. And I think most of us would too. So, come start celebrating your homecoming weekend with us at Poor Brothers. We'll be there on Friday from 6 to 7. Myself and Isaac Ambrose. Great way to kickstart your weekend. Poor Brothers has great craft beers. Duh, that's kind of their thing. But if you're more of a cocktail drinker like I am or a whiskey drinker, they have a full service bar and great bartenders as well. Should be a lot of fun and what looks to be a perfect weekend fall weather. 60-some degrees each day. Sunny, little chill in the air in the evening. Now the 2.30 start against Wisconsin has a little bit more you know, buzz to it. The way that that sun will be looking in the stadium for the fourth quarter. Those are moments that could potentially feel really good. And I hope that's the case on Saturday. And my gut says, hey, yeah. And then my head says, wait a second. We were terrible for six games. Carp, what are you doing? But regardless, uh, it is a compelling matchup. And I hope that Friday we're going to have excitement no matter what. But I hope that Sunday morning when we wake up and do a podcast that we can talk about a monster win against Wisconsin. And I'm slightly nudging towards that. But the next couple of days I'm going to really reflect and say, okay, why do you think that? Carp, if I'm using the third person, do you really believe that or do you just want to believe that? All right. Before we get out of here, DP Doe, I'm on at dpdoe.com for all the best deals and prices. dpdoe.com. Hopefully, you can get a celebratory calzone after the game. That would be nice. Also, State Farm agent Brian Hansen online at brianismyguy.com. Life, auto, home, business, renters, you name it. Brian is my guy and he can be your guy as well at brianismyguy.com. Also, Owen Builders, LLC, online at owenbuildersllc.com. For indoor and outdoor projects, check out their gallery of work online at owenbuildersllc.com. And finally, Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing. Give them a call at 217-841-4728. Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing, your home's best friend. For Champagne Showers Podcast Network, uh, thanks for listening. Ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts are a big help. Hopefully see you Friday evening at Poor Brothers from 6 to 7, and if not, in the tailgate lots on Saturday. In the meantime, everybody, take care, and we'll see you real soon. It is the 200 Level. 